Welcome to Should We? Creative conversations about the everyday choices that make us. Brought to you by MailChimp. Hello, Diana. Hello, Lisa. We are back from an intermission and... I am so excited about it. Oh, me too. I just got chills. We are back in a big way. We're in a new recording studio. Yes, it's Women's Audio Mission, and it's so beautiful. There is a lavender guitar. There There is a red guitar. There are a lot of guitars. Um, We're quite giddy. Mm -hmm. I feel it's a little bit ridiculous, but I like it. We were walking down the street uh, and turned onto a street we'd never heard of, didn't know existed, with beautiful murals. And I really had that first day of school feeling. We were like going to our new spot. We were wearing cute outfits. Sunday outfits. Sunday outfits. Which include stretchy black pants. Mm-hmm. Which can be defined as yoga pants, leggings. Um, it depends on the context. Um Last night, my husband, Stephen, was like, you know, are you going to wear yoga pants to dinner? And I was like, not yoga pants, leggings. (laughs) (laughs) The leggings I have on are my uh, most business casual leggings. Yeah, business casual leggings. There's also a term, have you heard this term, dress sweats? What? (laughs) (laughs) You got to have your dress sweats. Like, you have your... Your your loungewear that you only wear inside, but then you have your loungewear that you wear outside and it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lo- there's a whole spectrum of not only athleisure but at leisure. <laughs> Do you know about this? Well, it I I feel like I know what it is already, and I embrace the lifestyle, but I've never <laughs> heard of it. What is it? Okay, so th- there's an, a great article about this. I think it's in Fast Company about the new at leisure wear, and <laughs> basically we all know about athleisure, right? Which is like everywhere. I mean, especially in California, and it's, um, you know, athletic wear that somehow is now appropriate to wear outside and like some aspects of it might be appropriate at work depending on where you work. Okay, that's athleisure. I, I also once walked past a yoga studio and they had this little thing outside, this little chalkboard that said, wearing yoga pants? Why not try yoga? (laughs) And I was wearing yoga pants, but I had not done yoga in a very long time. So I was like, smart, good. That was a good one. I still didn't do the yoga. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So at leisure is the new pajamas. It's not clothing that is normally intended for workouts that you can wear as just clothes. It's clothing that's normally intended for sleeping that might transition from bed to desk. (laughs) 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 It's all about like materials that are maximum softness, maximum comfort. 
shapes that really move with you. <laughs> when you're not moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but the trick is like, you know, can you make this stuff work for work? And a lot of companies are working on this. Mm, I feel like people can only know the true me if they see me in my dress sweats. Oh, yeah. So tell us about your dress sweats for those who can't actually see you right now. Well, today's at leisure dress sweats at leisure uh, combo is business casual leggings from Girlfriend Collective, my favorite leggings. Uh, they just came out with their full line. Um, they did a promotion for a long time where you could get a pair of leggings for the cost of shipping from Vietnam, I believe. Um, so it was kind of a high cost of shipping from Vietnam. but uh, It was like $20. Yeah, it was like $20. But they're like $60 or $70 leggings. But they're very, very um, comforting. They're very comforting. Lots of compression. Uh, good lines. These ones are brand new. So they've still got that brand new sheen. So, Diana, could you tell me, like, how do you feel about compression? So, compression is like, don't do it for other people, only do it for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and my feeling on compression is that it's like wearing a wetsuit in the sunlight. Like, I've done scuba diving, and wetsuits are kind of a pain to get into, but once you're in them, it's like some people like gravity blankets. This is a big thing on Kickstarter recently is these heavy, heavy blankets. It feels really nice and comforting to have a little bit of pressure on you. It helps you understand your boundaries. Actually, I remember reading research about uh, like body dysmorphia where one of the ways of treating this body dysmorphia is putting people in like scuba suits so that they feel the actual edges of their body at all times so that they're not like imagining themselves as anything other than what they are. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of pressure on your borders helps you stay grounded. Mm -hmm. So so there's a difference between like if we ask, should we do compression? Should we do compression leggings mainly? Because I actually asked myself this question recently when I was choosing <laughs> between another set of yoga pants. Do I want the regular ones or the compression ones? And I thought, okay, what's going to be maximum comfort? And it really depends. So I have multiple options at home. And I like compression when I want to feel held mm -hmm. or hugged, you know. But... It's not about the way I look. I th well, I hope I think not. Mm hmm. Yeah, mine is partly about the way I look, but mm. it's mostly about feeling held. Okay, great. So it's complicated. That's the answer to should we do compression? Mm hmm. Uh, Diana, we have a question for today <laughs> that I'm so happy about. It's totally shocking. Shocking. Should we be different? From each other. I have a huge silly grin on my face right now because we finally got there. We figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> so we are we have done over 30 episodes. We've been doing this podcast for two years, I think. Um, and we just haven't been able to figure out up to now whether we're different or not. <laughs> like... We keep having should we questions that we both have the same answer to or 
The answer is yes. And it's very hard for us to get to things we disagree on mm -hmm. until now. Also, in our friendship, which has lasted over a decade, very hard to get to things we disagree on, which feels harmonious, but there's something a little suspicious about it. Yeah, totally suspicious. And it has caused me to doubt those long periods of harmony. Ooh, tell me about that. Well, when we agree on everything, at some point it's like, do we really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so so we had um we had really our first deep conversation about this question on like a, a couple days ago. And usually when there's like a meaty topic like this, we'll kind of save it for the podcast. <laughs> it's really fun to unpack them in in this context. But this time um, it felt like we needed a pre-brief. Pre and um, it was a hard conversation. Um, and that I, I, I really feel like it, it just kind of scratched the surface, actually, where we were just kind of trying out the awkwardness about of talking about ways in which we're different and things we disagree on. Yeah. I have a really strong feeling that season four of our friendship will be all about tension. Yeah, yeah. So, so difference um, lends itself to tension. And, I mean, up to now-ish, I've had a pretty nervous relationship with tension. Generally, I try to avoid it in, term, in relationships. Like, I really try to, like, tiptoe around it. Um, I'm learning to face it and to treat it as something that can be really generative. Um, but I, at the same time, I cultivate tension in my work like in writing in designing like tension's really important or else like you you might end up with a with a voice or a or a product or a or a story that is just like a wet rag mm -hmm. like it just loosey goosey yeah you need some tension um so this is where we're at. It's like I feel like we just turned on a a headlamp. Ding. Just clicked on. And we're in the cave of difference. Mm-hmm. Poking around. Mm -hmm. What is in there? Slimy walls. Ooh. <laughs> 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 um could we talk about the Enneagram? Oh yeah. Oh, Enneagram. I'm going to spell it because it's a weird word. E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. It's like Instagram, but Enya. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I learned about it from my coach, Jane, who was who was on the podcast um, earlier. Um, it's, you know, a personality typing system. And in it, there are nine types. And I have found that this system resonates with me a lot. And I am a four. 
for is called the connoisseur. It tends to be creative, artistic, um, uh, tends to have a lot of desire, and um, in its in its low side gets kind of melancholy and like lonely and um but in its in its high side when when a four is like being their best self then they're just very individualistic and um uh enjoys making things special and unique it's very creative director which is what you are oh yeah thank you and diana will you tell us about your type Yes, I just learned it. So I've done a lot of different typing systems. And the thing I love about all of them is they all facilitate the conversation. We are different, and that's okay. And it's so interesting. Now we have a way of talking about invisible preferences. Uh, And so I'm really into typing systems. I'm really into Myers-Briggs. I'm really into talking about values, Enneagram I'd somehow not approached before. I think that I downloaded an app once and tried to type myself using the app, but it didn't stick. I don't even remember what the type was. This time around, my current coach uh, uses a book about the Enneagram, and it had been on back order or or something. And so like halfway through our coaching relationship, it finally showed up in the mail for me. And it's a book that lets you type yourself, uh, and it's like very rigorously, uh, very rigorously tested by these people from Stanford. So I ended up as a nine, uh, which is called the mediator or the peacemaker, and uh, and it totally makes sense to me. It totally makes sense to me. I care a lot about everyone and everything, and I can see everything to my benefit and detriment. Like I just see everything. I see the whole dynamic. It's like entering the matrix. Like I walk into my workplace and it's like I'm walking into, you know, green lines of code kind of like shuddering down the screen. Like, you know, I see everything and sometimes that gets to be overwhelming, but I can't not take it into account. So this is, um, this kind of speaks to what the Enneagram tries to get at which is like the thing that is just kind of always true about you that is a blessing in some circumstances and but a curse if it really overwhelms you and in other circumstances um and I I think of the Enneagram also as being like a way to kind of understand your defaults and then um understand other people's defaults, and then learn ways to expand beyond your defaults. Like, oh, what would it be like to try on this other type? You know, not not so much about changing yourself, but expanding. Um, so, but Diana, when you told me you were a nine, I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> because I've known I was a four for a long time. And I never could figure out what you are, <laughs> and which is like such a nine thing mm-hmm. that nine nines are hard. Yeah, the line is like in a funny way. Nines are like every type but themselves. <laughs> 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 that, that was a line from the book I read. 
Yeah, so so in typical four fashion, I have constantly alternated between assuming that you must also be a four because four is the only type I care about mm-hmm. because I'm a four and um, everyone must be a four until proven otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way. And when I'm like feeling good and then when I'm feeling bad, I'm like, of course, you're not a four because no one else is a four. I'm the only four. Mm -hmm. The four is the ultimate individual. (laughs) So basically, I've only related to you on the Enneagram in terms of like, are you my type or not? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you're not, which is which is shocking to me because I'm a four, but also because we have so much in common. Yeah. And we arrive at similar conclusions a lot of the time. And I really could have told you and told myself, I could have observed that we arrive at those conclusions in different ways, but that didn't feel relevant until we were really trying to make a big decision. Yeah. And so what are the differences in the ways? Well, like I really want, it's not like I want everyone to be happy, but I want to find I mean, I do want everyone to be happy, but I want to get to the best outcome for the for everybody. Like, mm. I want to find the win, 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 win at at any cost. Wow! And I would say I don't know that I care that much about other people's happiness. <laughs> <laughs> Just being honest, I I care the most about whether the outcome is completely original and unique and special and memorable and authentic to us, no matter what it is. Um, And I actually, other people's happiness um, as a factor makes me nervous because what if it gets in the way of unique? Mm -hmm. Like what if accommodating another preference means a compromise a compromise (laughs) oh but diana you do you love compromises well do i love them is an interesting question i don't think i can bear life without them um because i get too worried about the cost to other people wow interesting i'm stimulated by coming up with compromises i wouldn't say i love them Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm so Last night I was reading my Enneagram book. I think it's called The Wisdom of the Enneagram. I found it to be so helpful in my marriage. (laughs) Now I'm so excited to use it for us as like a manual. It's like having an instruction Mm -hmm. manual for engaging with another person. Mm -hmm. It's like having an API for each of us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I had to, first of all, resist the urge to just read about my own type again. (laughs) (laughs) So I started reading about yours, and it was this, as I was going into it, it was like almost like a hologram coming into view where I would be like, is that Diana? No, that can't be Diana. Oh, but that is Diana. Oh, wait. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, because you are so, so adaptable, you know, and that's kind of, 
what nines are like. Mm-hmm. So flexible. Yeah, and I think in my life I've wondered whether that is a cop-out, whether I'm being flexible as a way of avoiding conflict. And yes, I am, <laughs> but it's also a superpower. Like I'm not not being myself. Um, I'm not not being myself. And it's really good to have one eye or like one headlamp in the direction of what do I really want and who am I trying not to disappoint? Yeah, yeah. So as I was reading the nine description, I came across this passage that said um, like it's pretty hard for nines to get in touch with their desires or they have a tendency to suppress them in service of other desires or just weigh them equally Mm -hmm. with lots of other possibilities and then it said in parentheses compared to the four who is addicted to desire (laughs) and completely driven by their own wants and needs (laughs) that that really got me um because I do I do relate to other people a lot in terms of like I just I want to know what they want because I'm so connected to what I want all the time. Um, and whenever a want is fulfilled, I'm on to the next one. Mm-hmm. And that can be like, that happens sometimes in like really healthy ways. Like I just have, it doesn't take that much for me to find direction and know what I need to happen next to feel like satisfied or fulfilled or whatever. Um But then I'm always going around either asking directly or trying to find out indirectly, what do you want? Mm -hmm. What do you want? Mm -hmm. What do you want? And um, that could be very unhelpful if it's like uh, not everyone is always having their radar tuning into what they want all the time. Yeah, I'm also thinking about how we each are as coaches. And I know I end up doing a lot of role playing with clients. Like I'll snap into role playing really quickly because for me, that's the best way of getting to the bottom of something. Yeah. Oh, that's funny because my, like, I realize I do this a lot and I I need to expand more, but I very often snap into visualizing (laughs) desire (laughs) 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 I feel so much relief though having this conversation and our really hard deep conversations the rest of this week because ah, it's nice to not be totally the same you know it shows me how much more there is to learn from you Yeah, and I have so much to learn from you. Like, I want to expand toward, like, being more comfortable accommodating lots of different desires and just also engaging deeply with people who aren't particularly concerned about their own desires Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a given moment. Um. Yeah, we we have a lot to learn from each other, and it feels like all of a sudden the floodgates are open. Yes, the floodgates are open. Um, And the case study for all of this, I think we have to talk about, Lisa. I know. We've been talking around it. Yeah. Go ahead. So we were planning a workshop. 
We aren't anymore. That's the punchline. It's canceled. It's canceled. It's over. Mm-hmm. Now, at the end of um, the first half of season three, we kind of um, uh, not made a nod toward this workshop. Like, the, oh, like mysteriously, like we're working on an event, our, our second event. Um, it not happening. It's It's not happening. It's over. So what should we say about that? Well, why did we think an event was a good idea in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> uh, good good question. Can I say another thing I was reading about yes. you in the Enneagram mm-hmm. book? So I was reading that nines really thrive on immersive experiences with other people. Such as coach training. Coach mm-hmm. training's like that. Middlebury Language School mm-hmm. is like that. Um, so I wonder if there's an element of that. Do you think there was? Yeah. Well, totally. So the the origin story of this event was there's a longer origin story, but like the proximate origin story is we were doing our 2017 summit. We were post-it noting it up. We were vision boarding it up. And one of the categories of impact we wanted to have was like, we want to bring all our cool listeners and friends, many of whom are the same people, together for a high impact workshop on Mm self-expression. This was the difference we wanted to make in the world. It seemed like a natural extension, seemed like part of going big, part of playing big. Mm-hmm, because it, yeah. we we knew we wanted to build an empire, and it feels like empires have events. Totally. Right? And I felt certain that we could design a great one, a really unique event. <laughs> I could see in my mind the, the event unfolding. And it was different from any event I'd ever been a part of. And it was an event I wanted to, if I weren't designing it, I would participate in it. Mm-hmm. And that came out in the ways you would describe it. Not like uh, not like this is the impact it'll have on everybody, but like there will be amazing uh, paper collateral. There will be delicious food. Yeah, and the food will be part, will be designed in a way that it, Gives you, makes you feel empowered and you have agency and you feel nourished. And it is the starting point of community. Mm-hmm. This was like planning lunch <laughs> for the event. Okay. This is where we, we went. Exactly. And I would hear that and be like, yeah, that sounds great. Um, totally. Like, I, I agree. That sounds great. Um, and it did sound great. It sounded like a lovely event. And it seemed like we had all the resources in our extended network to pull this together. We knew exactly the most wonderful people to involve. We even had another collaborator, my former coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed like, oh, like she's an expert on creating powerful, immersive experiences. Like we're going to bring this all together and the world will never be the same. Yeah. That was my lens on it was like, how can we make a difference, the biggest difference for the biggest number of people? Right. And I was like, this is going to be unforgettable. (laughs) Uh, I had total faith in us to start with. Um, And so what happened? There are some layers. One is 
the layer of um, a lot happening over the first half of the year. One big thing was your wedding. And so we had this other big role to play for each other where you were bride and I was best woman. Um, and that was all leading up toward a big, important life event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was actually a point in time when between May and August, I was going to co-lead four events. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was going to be our live show in May. Which we did. Which we did. Amazing. Um, great event. Very special. Very unique. Yes, I, I mean, we should confess that we did experience some stress, particularly the night before. Which So I, I, it's important to me that when we do things that are special, we're also honest about when they're hard. Absolutely. Yeah, it was hard. And it's in the past and we can say it was still beautiful. Yeah. Totally beautiful. The best part was the people who came. Um Beyond it was it went far beyond our friends, you know. There were tons of strangers and they each one was so different from the next. Like this pool of people, like I didn't particularly see a pattern among them. I loved that. Except the only pattern I saw was um their energy was like so kind and generous and loving. Yeah, and I'm feeling really like, again, goosebumps right now, thinking about how us being so ourselves seemed to invite a group of people there to be themselves in ways that were very different, but very welcoming. Right. And that actually had nothing to do with like the snacks, for (laughs) example, which just spontaneously were provided by Slack. They Mm -hmm. weren't designed. Exactly. So we did that event. It was hard, but it was wonderful. Not but, it and it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was the wedding. That was end of June. Mm-hmm. Huge deal. Very challenging for me because I was the center of attention and the showrunner. Mm, very hard for nines. Very hard. Uh And while it was hard, this is probably a but, but while it was hard, (laughs) while it was hard, it was also so uh, over the top that it was really clean and clear to me. It was really clean and clear that on our wedding day, it had to be all about me and Eric or else it would all be for nothing. Yeah, right. And interestingly for me, a four who likes to obsessed about her own desires, I got to try on a new experience, being more like a two. The two is the helper. Mm-hmm. And um, when when fours like me are their best self, they become great helpers, supporting other people's desires when needed. Yeah. And so I got to do that, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. I enjoyed, like, really protecting the vision that you set out with and helping to protect you a little. Um, yeah, you did a lot of bringing me water with straws in it so that I wouldn't mess up my lipstick. And, you know, it was 
actually hard for me to accept, but it was just so clear to me that I had no choice, you know, Mm -hmm. and that it was one day and nothing would break and no relationships would be over just because I'd been selfish that day. But it took a very extreme day for that to feel clear to me. So I'm delighted that I had that experience. Also very challenging. The whole thing like challenged every premise, challenged everything I know about myself Mm. and was beautiful at the end of the day. Yeah. Can I tell one story? Yes. There was a moment like right before the ceremony was supposed to start where like I was in the the room with you where you were getting ready and then you just started like walking out. You just started walking down the hallway and I like followed you. I was like, Diana, where are you going? And you were like, oh, I'm just helping to see, just see what's uh, happening. And I was like, no, you don't help today. <laughs> we go back in the room, back in the room. <laughs> just thought it was very funny. <laughs> like, what were you going to do? Like, hitch up your dress and like tidy up? <laughs> yeah, right. No, I think that you're really casting me back to that moment. I think what was happening is that I was looking for Edmund, mm-hmm. um, my friend who was going to do a grounding ceremony with me right before I lined up. And I was like, Edmund should be here. I'll go looking for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ended up in the room and like I had to I had to be like pushed back into myself in order to really be present for that conversation with Edmund where he asked, um, what do you need to let go of to be open to this moment? Mm. Wow. And I had a lot to let go of. Yeah. <laughs> But then I did have, I had my dress like bundled up between my legs because it had a long train and um, he was, uh, he was having me like uh, spin slowly to like ground myself in the 360 degree experience of the moment. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you just had to wait for Edmund to come to you. Yeah, exactly. That's very hard for me. So, I mean, the the wedding, I mean, it was its own whole workshop and learning experience. And then I was also going to be involved in an August workshop for the leadership program I'm in. And our workshop uh, with Susanna, which was going to be also in August. Um, and then the week before the wedding, we just kind of realized or I realized for myself and we agreed that August wasn't happening. Yeah. Yeah. So... You know, there it was very, um, it was very complicated, and this this event in particular, groundwork, um, uh, just became the intersection of all our differences and all of the like potential tensions we could have in working together on something really hard that we had just never really faced before. It was pretty comical, actually. Like, everything became the most extreme version of itself. Like, I, not extreme, but, like, most essential extreme version of itself. Like, the fact that, you know, it was three collaborators, you, me, and Susanna. Yeah. But three was enough to have the essential form of me in the middle. Yes. <laughs> and so I was there being in the middle, being the nine, being the mediator, getting, like, totally head-tripped by that. Yeah, and and I feel very sorry now for how I contributed to what was happening in your head, which was that 
I I just kept um, putting my heels, like for digging my heels further and further into the ground on the the ways in which this event had to be different and authentic and special. And there's one lens where you digging your heels in and pulling further back would have caused me as the mediator to like meet you more on the special pole, you know, like pull the mediator mm. in that direction. But the mediator doesn't bend like that, you know, like I just ended up feeling more and more tension inside myself. I didn't have language for that, though. Like, yeah. I am I am that in so many areas of my life that it didn't feel that weird to me. The only thing that felt weird was that you were a character in the tension for me for once. I have lots of tension in my life. I sort yeah. of thrive on resolving it. Um, it's really hard, though, when I care so much about the people and the outcomes involved, when I actually do have desires that mm. are personal. It's not just me at a company doing what's best for the company. It's yeah. me in a partnership fulfilling my purpose in life. Yeah, and I felt you, you know, basically engaging with me as a representative of Susanna's desires. And then I assumed, like, I, I just kept sharing my desires with you, and then I assumed you would go to Susanna and represent my desires, you know? And Susanna and I are very opinionated <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, with really strong senses of purpose and, and vision. And, um, you know, I think naturally it just happened that you were communicating individually with each of us because you have a relationship with each of us and I didn't know Susanna as well. But then it just really, this whole dynamic um was not healthy or helpful. Yes, it was not healthy or helpful. And I'm so glad we noticed that before we signed ourselves up for the next few intense months of work on it. Yeah. I don't want to tiptoe around this part of our relationship. I want to work with it. Yeah. Yeah. It so, so we decided to cancel the event, not because we're not going to deal with this, but because we we don't well why because seeing the tension and creating from it is a journey with many steps yeah and the the event is like a deadline and a uh, a vehicle to figuring sorting this out or or understanding ourselves better it feels so arbitrary and like forced and probably would have been too stressful to us, like, physically and emotionally. Yeah, the stakes were too high. And for me specifically, because the thing that activates me and activates my nineness is stakeholders, starting with 80 stakeholders, too much, too much, too fast. You yeah. know, I think that we could create amazing things from our tension if we lower the stakes, like what yeah. is the version of an event that is one other person? Yeah. You know? Diana, when you said 80 stakeholders, I just automatically assumed that I count as 40 and Susanna <laughs> counts as 40. Like we're that much. We're so much. But then I realized you meant 
the imaginary attendees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like sixty to seventy attendees <laughs> and like ten to twenty collaborators. It, yeah. You know, ten to twenty vendors who I consider collaborators. You right. know. Right. So, so we are gonna roll back and lower the stakes. <laughs> yeah. on, lower the stakeholders, literally. Yeah. Yeah. On this whole channel, you know, we we started with podcasting by lowering the stakes and. Um, podcasting has felt really easy for us. Um, events, clearly, it's like a different story. So we're rolling back to the beginning. I actually think it's the same story. We're just at a different place in the story. Oh, what do you mean? Well, we only got to where we are with the podcast going step by step. You know, today yeah. we're here at Women's Audio Mission for a half-day recording marathon. Yeah. Very professional. Uh, kind of a big deal. We weren't stressed out at all because we have so much confidence in our ability to improvise and be real with each other. Yeah, yeah. And um, I love that about us. And I, so Diana, I'm starting to wonder, like, now that we've canceled the event, how will we make sure that we go through and not around Mm -hmm. tension? Well, Looking for it and being interested in it feels like one step. I also think we need and will benefit from, uh, what's the word? Not forcing functions, more like flashpoints, but little capsule experiences that step us through. You know, this is why I'm saying it's the same story as the podcast potentially, because the podcast started with iPhone in a cup. We moved step by step all the way up to a half day recording session at a professional studio And every step along the way, we learned something about ourselves and deepened our working relationship and de-stressed it through the confidence that comes from slow and steady progress. So I want to do like maybe a pair coaching session with one client, like one stakeholder who we create an amazing session for together. Whoa, Diana, I love that idea. I'm nervous about it, which is good. Uh, But I love that idea. And... It makes me think that, you know, so this this episode, I've been keeping time, <laughs> and this episode has now become like a real bonus episode, <laughs> more material than usual, because that's the kind of topic it is. And I I want to wind down by saying that if you think that person should be you, um, the, that you want to be the client, that we try a a pair coaching session on, um, you should let us know. Or you can just write to us at hi at shouldwe.co. Um, and it also might sort of be news to our listeners that both of us are coaching now. Uh-huh. <laughs> we are, and we can. I, I can say more about my own coaching path in a later episode. Um, yeah, but... In, in case you want to work with either of us, you can write to the same address or check out our website, shouldwe.co. It's a really cute website. Yes, constantly evolving. Uh, Very we're, special. Very we're, unique. <laughs> <laughs> and a work in progress, just like us. Um, and so, um, anything else you would like to say before we go? It feels good to be back. It feels wonderful to be back. And thank you to Women's Audio Mission for this episode. That's it. <laughs>